You are now listening to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Let the story begin. One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 One time for the lovers, two times for the ladies, three times for the brothers, four times for the babies. Do you love her? 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 Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. Brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin, love a brown. She my brown skin, love a brown skin. Hold me down. Welcome to the Minority Trailblazer Podcast, and I'm your host Greg EOD, Culture Change Agent. You already know on this show we interview young, successful minorities in a variety of fields to educate, empower, and inspire our current and future generation of leaders. And as always, I got a show for you today. Breaking news, Thursday, April 25th, 2019, from 4 to 6 p.m., the Minority Troubles Alive podcast will be held at North Carolina a and I'm coming home. So all my Aggies, my people in Greensboro, Raleigh, Durham, any, any surrounding areas, man, y'all come out and pull up and show up for your boy, man. 4 to 6 p.m., there'll be food, going to be some great questions, great answers, a lot of uh, great energy, man. It's important for students and alumnus and anybody in the Greensboro, Raleigh, Durham area, man, come on out. Also, this event is sponsored by Amazon, man. Uh, shout out to the people over there, Amazon, man, so for believing in us and giving us a shot. Um, and we're going to be, hey. Every HBCU out there, man, get ready. We coming on tour soon, man. We got dates coming soon. We got a lot of stuff in the pot brewing, man. So shout out to Minority Troublemaker Nation, man, for making these sponsorship connections. As well as, man, just having faith, man. Having faith. I know we've been screaming ever since we came back about our podcast network. We've been screaming about Troublemaker University since 2018. And y'all haven't seen no dates. We've been screaming about the tour. Y'all haven't seen no dates. I'm please, please be, be, be patient. We got a lot of stuff in the pipeline. We just can't share yet. We just can't share yet. And I think I, I put out the, the dates for the tour a little bit too soon. A little bit too soon, man. Cause we still we still having meetings. We still solidifying a couple of things, man. But I'm telling you, y'all be patient. Because mid to the end of the year of 2019 and 2020 beyond, man, we got a lot of crazy, crazy stuff coming, man. It's gonna add a lot of value. And you're going to see us a lot more on social media, a lot more just online, period, man, sharing stories. And also, too, I want to take y'all a lot more behind the scenes of what my team is doing and everybody involved. Uh, I'm going to interview a couple of, the, couple of the, uh, podcast hosts that are going to be leading the podcast uh, network's new shows. And I'm telling y'all, man, get excited because we building something right here. And most importantly, want to bring y'all in to show y'all how y'all can build and potentially even build with us, man. So, uh, my daughter, Trouble as a Nation, man, I, I appreciate everything. I appreciate your prayers for my family this tough time we having right now. 
I appreciate your prayers for me, your support of the podcast, your giving for the Capital Improvement Campaign, you ordering merch, you doing all that stuff, man. I appreciate it. But all that being said, we're going to jump right into this episode. Hope y'all enjoyed last week's episode too, man. They got a lot of downloads, man. I, I, I see y'all. Y'all like, yo, G Hill back with the two-hour episodes? <laughs> it ain't going to be a norm, man. But yeah, I appreciate y'all's support, man. Shout out to Morgan McKenzie as well. But yeah, man, Minority Trouble as a Nation, make sure... You turn and you keep sharing this with your friends, man. The movement continues to grow. It continues to get bigger, man. It's been four years. I appreciate y'all for all y'all support. Tune in for this episode right here. Um, it's a, it's a, I love it. It's a phenomenal episode, man, about app building, about taking risk, about failing. And it's a smooth ride, man. So that's all I got to say, man. Y'all enjoyed the episode. I look forward to talking to y'all next week because we got more breaking news. Every single week we having breaking news, man. Y'all enjoy the show. Um, I'm excited to introduce this brother. I was referred to him by my brother Moyo Coleman, who just dropped his uh his his book. I'm a when I update this episode, I'm gonna put the the link and the show notes and everything else. So check that out. It was about apps and all that good stuff. But he introduced me to a, a brother that is doing some phenomenal stuff in the, in the tech space, man. And I just wanted to get him on the show because I feel like especially as people of color, we need representation everywhere, not just in one space. We need representation in these schools, in the gyms, in corporate offices, as entrepreneurs. But we also need to, uh, our representation online and our emojis as well. And I have a brother that has been doing some phenomenal, phenomenal work. And him and his team have some good stuff that they're actually already on the market, but they're actually pushing out to the mainstream. And I'm glad he said, yo, we, we got connected. And I'm glad to get an opportunity to bring him on the show, man. So I'm not going to read you a long, thrown-out bio. We're just going to jump right into it, man. So I'm excited, as you can tell my voice, to bring my brother on the show, add a lot of value outside of just principles and stuff, his struggles with ad building, but just... His journey through life, man, because he has a very interesting story, and I'm looking forward to hearing him more, man. So without further ado, I would like to introduce Alex Okafor to the Minority Trailblazer podcast. Welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness, Greg. I appreciate it. That was quite the intro, man. I got more work cut out for me. Hey, hey. You, you <laughs> hey, you already know, man. You you from you you from the culture, man. So I already know you're going to live. You're going to do it. You're going to do it 10 times what we, what we think, man. It's going to be a legendary podcast. I'm going to speak that into existence, man. All right, amen. I'm with you. I'm with you. So before you begin, I always like to start the show off with a quote just to get the energy where we need it to go and to really okay. just curate where we want to go. So if I could ask, is there a quote or a mantra that you live by and, and you can you share with our audience as well as an accompanying story about how you apply it to your everyday life? Okay. Um, give me a second to think about that. I, if there was a quote, and, I, and I'll paraphrase it, I can't um, quote it exactly. The author uh, of the quote is actually skipping my my mind, but essentially the quote was um, it speaks about simplicity, essentially. Right. And it's it talks about how it's a worth how this, the simplicity on the near side of complexity is not worth very much. Right. But the simplicity on the far side of of complexity is worth is worth a life's work. You know, you give your life for that. That's something that you you could give your life for. And uh, I take it one step further. I kind of use that uh, to guide, you know, the principles that kind of shape me and um, and kind of steer me all along. And and I and I say that the peace on the on the near side of reconciliation and truth telling um, is not worth much, but the peace that comes on the far side 
of reconciliation, of truth telling, of, of balancing the books is worth is worth my life's pursuit. Um, and so uh, that'd be the quote um, that, that I kind of go by and, and steers my my life and my thinking um, and uh, kind of shapes, you know, a lot of what I'm about and, and the things that define my team. Um, so I. So, 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 so yeah, that, um, the second part of the question, I guess, is like, uh, uh, where in life that it kind of applies. Yeah. Um, I would say, well, since we're talking, we're going to talk about the, uh, the app we just uh, recently dropped, um, our team, uh, went for the culture. Uh, we recently dropped a, an app called Naturalist Emoji and it's, um, an app that's, uh, fairly novel. Um, and what it does is works to celebrate, uh, black women, um, of the diaspora, you know, and it features a bunch of different complexions. And it's something that's fairly uh, an everyday thing, but it very much aligns with our belief that representation is important. Um, and it's important that we curate um, and create and carve out spaces to celebrate and affirm, um, in this case, Black women. Um, and when you think about the historical context in which Black women have been perceived um in conversations, this is specifically in conversations of beauty and worth and desirability, they've always been kind of relegated to the margins. Um, and I know this uh, very well because there's some people very close proximity, my daughter, my lady, my mother, my sister, um, who've kind of revealed these things over time. And I've observed it myself. Um, and so I thought it would be something special. And our team decided, um, which, which consists of uh, some, some, some brilliant, um, very creative and talented sisters, that we should create something um, to celebrate them. And this aligns with that quote precisely because without understanding or recognizing the ways in which certain biases and prejudices work, um, devoid of that particular context, the app doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But when you operate, because we are humans, we operate in a human world and a social um, space, when you, when you recognize that, you can see that it makes a lot of uh, space to the people that it works to affirm. And this is uh, Sisters. Across, across the diaspora of many different walks of life. And uh, for something as simple as Emoji app um, to resonate on such a deep level and to, for them to feel an emotional pull and um, just take, take joy and pride out of being celebrated and having their, their natural features and their natural skin complexions affirmed um, very much aligns with you know, what I was speaking to, right? Like on, on, the, on the far side of that reconciliation, on the far side of that truth telling. Um, and it's about giving credit where credit is due in this case with naturalist emoji. Yeah, man. Wow. That's, 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 that's phenomenal. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask, can you break? Cause I know you deep, you from Princeton educated. You, you, you I, break down that quote, man. I'm still trying to get that quote. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so the, the way, the, uh, the, the way I kind of remixed it, the, the, the remix was the, the, um, peace. Right. When you think about peace, like from a social perspective, right, there's peace, which is kind of the passive kind, which comes from no confrontation. Right. You can say, oh, we, yeah, I just want peace. When people say, oh, I just want peace and just, you know, I want peace. That means there, there's one type of peace that means, you know, I don't want to be bothered. Like, ah, I just don't want to have to to deal with anything. Right. Like you think about um, maybe if uh, you and your lady, you know, you guys are beefing and there's a lot of passive aggressive energy. But at least y'all are not dealing with the confrontation that is necessary. And it doesn't have to be confrontation with a negative connotation um, that's necessary to actually to actually work things out. You see what I'm saying? It's a piece that's kind of like it's cheap. You know, it's not really worth much. It's just it means that you guys 
that that things have that that things haven't hit the fan just yet, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you think does that make sense? Like, yeah, like you. oh, uh, you know, there's an issue, but none of us are talking about it, so we cool. We just gonna ignore it. It's, right? it's different between it's a moment of peace, but not peace. Exactly. It's not. It is not. There's no lasting power there, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's gonna it's gonna rear its ugly head. And then there's the peace that comes on the far side, meaning you go through the the confrontation. Um, and it does again. It doesn't have to be a negative connotation, but it just means addressing things and telling difficult truths and and really working through it. And it's laborious. And then you find peace because you've gotten over or gotten through that 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 thing or whatever it is that confronts you. And so when I talk about peace, I'm talking about justice. I'm talking about um, I'm talking about fairness. I'm talking about um, the affirmation of uh, as it, as it pertains to this specific app, the affirmation of, of of people from all different walks of life, and with our focus being specifically on black women and black men and and and, and black human human beings because of the the hell um, to, to to put it quite frankly that they've 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 been catching historically and are catching in this present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that kind of that, that steers our our mission, um, and so 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 that's what I mean by peace on the far side, right? Like you think about the hill, right? Like they, like you can be on you can you can reach ground level on a hill by by standing in front of it, or you can walk over, you know, and through and 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 make your way to the other side, and you'll also be on the ground floor. But there's two there's a difference between the ground floor on the near side, which is just standing right in front, and the far side, which means you have to go through or over or however you go about uh, getting to the other side, which takes more work, but is worth, is worth more too. Boom, that man, that's a phenomenal illustration. Now, I, now I, I definitely understand like, is it different? Okay. Ooh. Cause I think yeah. about even like racism, right? Yep. Racism is you standing in front of the hill and being like, yo, this hill isn't that bad, man. Like, yeah. I don't understand what's going on. Why are you blah, exactly. blah, blah. But exactly. but reality until you go across the hill because and we were all we're still at the end of the day it looks like we're on the same ground level but exactly. dude, I just ooh, so you brought you broke that thing down I get exactly. it now yeah exactly exactly and then you start to reveal all these ugly truths and there's a lot of things that are you know uh, the things that appeal back for you that you might not want to deal with or accept and you have to look at the facts and and talk about history and 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 really balance the books so to speak. Um, to, to to really work towards justice and confront you know some of the privileges that you that you've been able to enjoy um, you know through no work of your own and you take for granted and and um, and kind of the uh, the dismissal of other people's plight and you have to tell those truths and, and reach that confrontation and look and make that existential examination then we can start to make progress. Hey man, you, can, you, tell this, you can tell this brother straight 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 out of Princeton. Man, I love him, man. <laughs> Hooper. And, and, and truth teller, and this is not even uh, this is not even around where the podcast is gonna go. But you know, I would be remiss because I know you are in this business space, and I know you you profile and probably read and observe a lot of video and content from mm-hmm. from business personalities around. And I want to mm-hmm. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, there's a lot of business personalities that are Caucasian mm-hmm. that provide great content. I take nothing from them. Yep. However, sometimes I find it hard to I, I gotta take I could take some stuff, but then some stuff I just can't listen to because it comes from a sense of um uh, a lot some some of their stuff, the only reason not the only reason, but a large portion of how they were able to move is because of, mm-hmm. of, of, of being white. <laughs> uh, of, of, and it's and it's kinda hard not to and then they're preaching certain things and I'm like, bruh, it it, it it's, I'm not going to make an excuse myself. It's not that easy, 
Uh-huh. But it's, it's it's a different context. You have this baked in stuff that you can do as a white male mm-hmm. per se, mm-hmm. or non African American male mm-hmm. that, that, that that we can't relate to. So I, I I try sometimes. I ain't gonna lie. Back now, I don't listen to as much stuff from um, those that I, I mean. I, I I look at some Elon Musk stuff. I look at some Carrie V. Shout out. I mean, they're, they're cool uh-huh. guys. They, uh-huh. But a, I feel like a lot of it's baked in their privilege as well. For so sure. so I just so what's your thoughts? Because I know you're in the business space, and you probably read Fast Company, Entrepreneur mm-hmm. Magazine, all these stuff. Mm-hmm. And they probably, so, what's your thoughts in, in in general about that? Oh, for sure, for sure, you hit the nail right on the head. Um, I uh, I was I was just reflecting on this uh, fairly recently. I made a a Facebook post, and essentially what I was saying was that um, nothing of consequence can be accomplished alone. So no matter irrespective of where you are in the world and what you look like, nothing of consequence can be accomplished alone. And anyone who goes about chronicling their story in a way that um, that speaks more of them and so much less or, or fails to give mention to, to others who helped them along the way or, or identifying, this is important because it speaks to your point, the privileges or fortunes that made their realities possible, it, it, it I have to be I have to be highly skeptical, right? Like I'd, I'd be I'd be foolish not not to not to examine that a little bit closer, right? And that's what you're speaking to, right? Like we have to like uh, check our privileges, right? Like it's not it's not okay to 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 have a conversation. And I do listen to podcasts. One of my favorites is like uh, How I Built This, for example. Mm-hmm. To have a conversation and someone talk about how they were dealing with a difficult moment in their company and and things were it was a juncture where they weren't sure if they were going to get over the hump. And uh, they cavalierly were able to uh, borrow, you know, seventy five thousand dollars <laughs> to infuse uh, business. We can't roll over those those moments, right? Like, or to be able to receive a loan, or to be able to have a contact that allowed them to secure uh, investment, or uh, to know someone in particular spaces um, that they tend to have a higher presence or or dominate. Um, that was able to to give them leverage or, or or push or or financing or funding, right? Like we can't roll over these things because these things, particularly for um, for Black people specifically, but minorities in general, have not um, in our history. And 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 I know there's work that's being done and works certainly work to be done, but have not been available to us um, to you know to pick something. You know, uh, there are many examples um, across the board in the world of business, but these things have not necess- uh, historically been available to us. So we always. Um, I, I wouldn't say an asterisk, but there always has to be the proper um, context or backdrop through which we interpret these successes, right? Like it's not to say like the conclu- it's not in conclusion such and such is a genius, and you know we that's that's the end of the book. It's like no, this person's genius was able to manifest with these particular privileges and and um, and fortunes that are available to this specific person because of who they are and for things that they have not necessarily worked in, but because of the social landscape in which they are reared. Um, and so they're able to enjoy these successes. So I think that's very important. It's just that in proper context. So when I listen to these uh, podcasts and I read the books or the stories, because I'm always interested in stories, I, the stories are very important to me, the pathway, the learnings. Um, I always kind of take it with a grain of salt and I cherry pick the things that's, that, that I feel mm-hmm. like will be more applicable for me in my particular story. Right. Yeah, and I, man, you hit on the head. That's why I'm grateful for the audience that continues to dial in and listen to this podcast, support and share with their friends. Because that's why we 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 focus half and half, and sometimes even skewer like seventy five percent on the story, twenty five percent on what they do. 
so mm-hmm. that we can get full context because I, mm-hmm. I've seen in the past where we can oh we can we can hit every highlight of naturalista emoji um naturalista emoji um how many downloads how fast it happened how you created a team seven principles mm-hmm. of business success etc but if mm-hmm. we don't do, do give due diligence to your background mm-hmm. then it's everybody can do what you have done but mm-hmm. it's it, it's going to be a it's going to be different it's going to be kind of like I, I feel like not a false hope but somewhere in that middle, if we don't give context to these the, the things that shaped your experiences in order for you to do it, mm-hmm. it, it just yes, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be accurate to the culture because mm-hmm. that's how people feel like, oh, I did, I saved my money, I paid down mm-hmm. my debt. Why mm-hmm. am I not a millionaire? I followed your mm-hmm. seven step plan. Well, it's mm-hmm. like do the seven step plan, but mm-hmm. if you don't have that peace and knowledge within yourself, there's certain things that you're gonna lack to not be able to do it. Like even myself, when I talk about my journey, is I was homeless at one point, but I always give people mm-hmm. context. My homelessness was not because my parents were destitute and mm-hmm. it was, uh, I was in like the, uh, a poverty stricken community. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. My homelessness was because of me overspending and pride. Like mm-hmm. my stuff is through authenticity about pride and overspending and all that stuff. So I had to give people mm-hmm. context because I don't want somebody off the street to be like, whoa, I know if they, they've homeless, they can overcome stuff, but don't think you can just follow what I've done and do the same thing because yeah. you may not have the same results. Uh, and, and, and Greg, let me just interrupt. I, I appreciate that authenticity uh, so much, right? Because there's so many people who would not necessarily tell a different story or elaborate on that, but wouldn't elaborate and provide the particular context to which, inter- to, which to interpret that homelessness, right? Which is very important, right? Like to leave that portion out of the, out of the, um, out of the story, is, is, it's, it's telling, right? And there's some people that would... D- would opt not to speak more on that, the details and break that down. And I think that's very important that you did. And I applaud you for being honest because that that's, we need more of that. We need more of that. But, it, you know, but it, unfortunately, as we, as we transition getting to your story, unfortunately in this day and age, it just very, from a marketing perspective, it's very sexy to really get the headlines with no content, no contact. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then, exactly. but it's kind of, and, and not, it's, it's not really a parallel, but the only thing about brand building that people don't know is mm-hmm. once you do get, say, if you do get pushed to the top and you, you blow up off really headlines and people believe you're X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, if that's not who you really are, then once people start interacting, once people start having certain requests and asks of you, like say, okay, we 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 crossed a million dollars, but you got to realize, mm-hmm. I know people this uh, business's revenue is over a million dollars, but the the money, the stuff that they're actually bringing in, their profit mm-hmm. is less than <laughs> sixty grand. And no, and no offense to their business, but the thing is, this was the problem because when when you believe that people believe that you're a millionaire or you're doing all this other stuff, then people. It it can lead to people asking for it. Just it can lead to a lot of different things, and then and and, and, and honestly, you don't have peace. Like I don't, I wouldn't have peace if I say I'm doing a, a coaching course, right? And I know mm-hmm. as a speaker, I've, I've maxed out. I mean, I'm I'm around twenty five, thirty five hundred a keynote, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not every single month. Like that's mm-hmm. not every. That's not. I, it, it's, I'm, there's levels to it. I still haven't crossed a hundred grand in speaking just yet. We're gonna get yeah. there, but I haven't. So I, I could not give a coaching course on X, Y, and Z, and then tell you I can be make you a six figure speaker without giving that context. And I see so many times, specifically, unfortunately, with our young entrepreneurs, we make the mistake of trying to position our brand in such a crazy way 
that mm-hmm. we can't we can't live up to it. Like, no, nah, tell people where you exactly. at. People will still want to support. Hey, I can support beginning speakers up to thirty five hundred. Mm-hmm. If, if if more, I may be able to help, but not in that way. And I For think sure. sometimes in this, this this brand, that word is a great word, but it's a dangerous word for mm-hmm. for a lot of people starting a business or or just getting into things. So uh, before we get to your story, when you think about brands specifically, you're in the you're, you are in the emoji, emoji space and you're curating an authentic brand about culture and about self esteem and really, mm-hmm. but still positive, still funny and, and engaging. Yeah. What do yeah. you, what's your thoughts on building an authentic brand? Um, I think it's so important, um, even if it means that uh, your your um, I guess your headline is a little bit less catchy. <laughs> it's important that you're able to over deliver relative to whatever it is that you sell. So what you spoke to about young entrepreneurs, and I and I, I call myself a young entrepreneur, is to resist the urge, right, of like overselling, knowing damn well that you haven't not built a, a significant enough infrastructure. To deliver, and that's not to say you lack confidence, but just in terms of, you know, uh, you know, checking out the stat sheet. You know what I mean in terms of what what it is that you can do confidently on behalf of your clients or customers, whoever you're providing a specific service to. Overselling and underdelivering—that's something that w- you you have to avoid. Um, and so I always, relative to the point, it's not about um, necessarily creating low expectations but reasonable ones and then working my tail off to over deliver so that the, the impact is a wow at the end. It's like a punch, like, wow, like, like, wow, this is, this is, this is powerful, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm always intent on over delivering. I, 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 I search out for the wow um, on the service part. And so you, you still, as far as a brand is concerned, you, you have to reel them in, but then once they receive whatever it is that you're providing with them with, because they end up being your, um, the, the, the initial consumers, initial adopters end up being your marketing team. You know what I mean? Your street squad, if you will. They, they should leave with the wow and be and be eager and enthusiastic and um, um, and have a alacrity when they uh, when, when they want to go about telling their friends. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I think but let's jump into your story, man, before. Before your endeavors into app, the app world, because you have a unique background, and I just want to make sure our audience and viewers get this, get that before we jump into your businesses and what you're doing right now. So, can you share with our audience, man, who you are and where you're from? Okay, for sure. My name is uh, Alice Oak Four, uh, born in uh, Inglewood, uh, California. Uh, raised early in my years um, in in uh, Carson, California, and then I moved up to San Jose, California, where I went to uh, middle school for the tail end of uh, middle school and uh, high school as well. Um, I was fortunate to be able to compete and uh, enjoy a modicum of success in the basketball space and uh, perform well as, a, as an athlete as well. And so, um, oh, that looks like a train going by. No, you're cool. You, with the train okay. is cool. It's, it's authentic. Okay. It's New York. That's what, that's what, that's what New York is. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. And uh, and so I, I was able to um, actually end up at Princeton University um, in uh, New Jersey. And uh, I was there for four years. And Stop, stop uh-huh. right there. Stop right there, brother. Let's, let's, let's take it right back. One, because um, it's, 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 that's, that's phenomenal. One, did you, were you a single, was it a single parent household? And how was it growing up in Cali? Like, what part of California? Was it a fluent community? Was it a regular community? Like some kind. Okay, fair enough. Okay, okay, good. Perfect, perfect. Thank you. So, uh, Inglewood, the where I was born, um, was 
was uh, was a difficult, uh, dif- more difficult situation. But we moved out um, relatively. I was relatively young when we moved to Carson, and as far as I was concerned, um, Carson was 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 uh, the the most beautiful place, and and in, in many ways it still is. Um, although it's changed um, a little bit more recently, uh, just be, for the simple fact that there was a lot of black homeowners and uh, really a supportive community with um, brothers and sisters who looked after each other. And, um, you know, uh, Miss Betty, uh, who's like the, the grandmother of the whole block <laughs> the little area that we from, who kind of just knew everybody. And, and she's still there to this day. Uh, God rest. Uh, God bless her. Um, just looking after each other. And when there's a, a party and one kid has a birthday party, you know that everybody from the community is going to show up and support and pour love. And uh, just like kind of really a, a beautiful thing because you just really looked after each other, you know. So um, uh, definitely I, w- I would say it's a, a black middle class community, perhaps, is the way I would describe uh, Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Inglewood, uh, that community, not so much, unfortunately. Um, and uh, San Jose, California, where I ended up, uh, much I, I, that 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 certainly uh, classify as a suburban community. Gotcha. Um, what did your, your parents do when you were your only child? Uh, no, definitely not. I have uh, uh, three siblings. So I have a, a younger brother, um, Derek, um, our Onyi, and uh, older brother Joe. And my my the eldest is my sister Eugenia, um, who happens to be the only one who's currently in Los Angeles. And then my parents, um, God bless them. Um, my mother is a a, a nurse, um, and currently she's like a nurse for um, <clears throat> a nurse for um, a school with special needs students, mm-hmm. and uh, she's like the lead nurse on on that campus or, or a number of campus across a number of campuses for the um, the county. And then my my father is uh, he has an engineering background, so did like computer engineering, and he also. Um, like now invest and is involved in a, a bunch of things in that space as well. So I've, I've been uniquely privileged. They, um, they came, um, from Nigeria. They've been here for gotta be pushing 40 years. Wow. Gotta be pushing 40 years or 30 or 40 years, uh, respectively. Um, so they've been here for quite, quite some time. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, we kind of seen uh, growth based off of a lot of sacrifices that they made, um, starting from Inglewood and, um, kind of ending up where they are currently, um, yeah, so we, we're uniquely blessed um, in our household. Uh, education was some stressed. Um, stressed is, is is putting it lightly. <laughs> um, did not play about about education. Um, I grew up in a household where uh, my father um, really reinforced the the idea of possibility and uh, uh, fed me a lot of confidence by reminding me that people who had achieved things that I thought were admirable or were um, were, were excellent or marks of genius um, that they, they had one head just like I did. Um, there's a, a famous, uh, 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 a fam- famous, the question he used to ask a lot, you know, when I would marvel in those types of things is, is, is d- did he have two heads or did she have two heads? You know, whoever it is that created this beautiful thing. Um, and when I was, when I was little, I used to get annoyed by those things, by that question, but it started to really sink in over the years. Right. And, and essentially the gist of it was, you know, it's, it's a human being just like you, you know, um, who was willing to work and make sacrifices and, to, and really work to, to figure it out. Um, and obviously there's context, but it just made me feel as though, you know, things were possible. It stretched the scope of, scope, scope of possibility in my world. So I'm grateful, grateful for my father. My mother, she um, 
is a praying woman um, and really um, encouraged me to just to have faith and really help me to uh, to reconcile, you know, difficult moments or, or moments of self-doubt or um, when things weren't, uh, you know, necessarily shaping out the best way um, to just con- continue to believe. And um, so just see a lot of credit. You know, I can yeah. go on. We have a podcast about them, um, you know, if time permitted, but I don't want to take up all the time. But, yeah, so I, I've been uniquely privileged. I think that's a it's important to, to give that proper context. I um, you know, my, my parents are college educated. Um, they actually both have a post uh, bachelor uh, degree. So uh, master's both respectively. Um, so, so, so I was certainly, certainly privileged. I, I'll say that. And, and, and also too, it, and I just want to be honest in asking because, because uh, being from like, okay, the app and w- one is, is, is your lady, is she of uh, African descent as well? Or is she just um, American, African-American? Uh, yeah, she's black. She's black. She's her, her family is, is from, well, the, the family as far as she can trace is like Louisiana, um, and her um, father's family is like Chicago and Detroit. So, um, yeah, yeah, she's she's as far as she can trace back is 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 the United States. So, got you, yeah, got she, you. She, she'll characterize as black. And being that, like you know, as we talked about earlier, we're gonna jump into it a little later in the show. But as far mm-hmm. as the naturalist emoji and respecting mm-hmm. women and and mm-hmm. and how we interact and, and with women, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a stereotype of, you know, in Nigeria, sometimes Nigerian men that they can be a little overbearing. They can be, it's just the way that I think African-American men and African-American women, uh, th- their roles in the household compared to how it is maybe in in um, other countries, specifically Africa, is it's a little different. So would you, uh, it, from from my perspective, from people that I've met, like the way the the way they operated households and the 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 for, like the fundamentals on education, the fundamentals on on giving effort and all that stuff is a lot different than honestly a lot of our the households that we are that we are in. But also too the dynamic between the the husband and the wife, and then some of the things that they work through, it just mm-hmm. it's just different. Um, hmm. and, and I never really asked anybody that was from Nigeria in but I said, I, I figured I'd ask you like growing up sure. as far as how you relate, how you relate to your significant other, but also to how you relate to, to women now in this contest, because as you speak of what you're doing now is to affirm and push them forward. So uh, how, how do you respect or how do you go about, um, your relations or treating, treating women? Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good question. That's a loaded question. Uh, it's a, I, I yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But I, I hope you get the context because I mean, it's just something that I n- I never really discussed. But I've always thought like, man, shoot, Nigerian man, they kind of they kind of hard and they women, man. Like it's just, gotcha. and I, I didn't want to put that on every Nigerian man or every sure. every relationship within that culture. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely I I I don't want to I don't want to be quoted as the, the spokesperson yeah. for Nigerian <laughs> men. I'll speak for this Nigerian yeah. man that you know by the name of Alex Okafo, and and I'll speak about this particular moment um, uh, with with the lady that I've been um, privileged to um, have a relationship with. Um, I just, you know, I I think it's just been a learning uh, experience. Um, I think it always starts with respect, um, and I think respect and, and and love and working to have like authentic love. Um, um, not the 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 social media type of love, mm-hmm. uh, the love that involves you know truth telling and being honest and 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 being loyal and being faithful and and trying to lift someone up. 
I think that that kind of steers steers like a lot of my engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I I personally am like a very prideful person, so I think um, with our relationship, one thing I've really worked to do, and I have a long ways to go, is to to put the pride aside because love and pride and ego cannot exist; they can't coexist. Uh, and so that's something that I've really kept in mind. Um, but but I think we we have something good going. You know, I like to think that she would she would agree. Uh, <laughs> I'm proud. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. She listened to this podcast like, what yeah. made a comment? But nah, I just yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I support her her goals and believe in her vision. I think there's a lot of alignment there, and I, she certainly does the same for me and and speaks positivity and life into me. And um, I think that that's reciprocated. Uh, we certainly get on each other's nerves and we probably like anybody else in a relationship don't always like each other. But I think we um, we work um, to do our best to, to to love one another, you know, even when it's uh, difficult. And so um, for how I engage with women uh, now more than ever, I think I'm aware of a lot of the the learnings. Um, and these are not active learnings. Right. This is just passive by virtue of living in a society that is chauvinistic, that. Um, that that can inculcate you with uh, certain prejudices or ideas about about what gender represents. Um, I'm, I'm a lot, in this particular moment, I've I've worked to unlearn a lot of those things and and to learn from a different perspective. And I'm 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 more uh, my ears are, are more open uh, um, to to some of the things that are happening and, and go on. And my daughter has certainly opened my world to a lot of these um, conversations and certainly my, my lady has, has broke down a lot of things. So I've been blessed that way and, and reading material from, you know, um, from, from, from different women who've advocated on behalf of sisters specifically and women in general and, and really just trying to work to learn that has, has opened my eyes um, to a lot of things that, um, that I've done that I probably am not proud of from my past, but also to, to make me a better man, um, right now in the present. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's ever evolving and it's a, something that will continue to, I'll continue to build on uh, continuously. But I think I like to think, you know, I'm a pretty, <laughs> I'm a pretty good, uh, pretty good partner. So no doubt, lady, no but, doubt, but, no but doubt. She, she ultimately have the, has the last word. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as we transition to, okay, you're at Princeton now, man basketball player doing your thing, man. How was it like managing being a division one athlete at an Ivy league school, but also making sure that you get the most out of that education? Got it. Got it. That's a great question. Um, let me be completely frank. I, uh, I didn't manage it. Well, I didn't manage it. Well, uh, striking that balance between the academic demands, um, particularly early, not necessarily having as much confidence in myself, um, as a student, and kind of wanted to link my identity to to sports um, was something that I, I, I leaned towards until sports kind of I kind of hit a, a um, I'll say a difficult moment or different difficult space and it kind of had me reevaluate things. So like like coming in, um, I, I knew you know you know Princeton, Princeton is a a very competitive school. It's a lot of very gifted students, uh, a lot of walks of life with the history of like performing very well, and uh, I think. As a coping mechanism in that particular space, I, I kind of undersold myself, right? Like I didn't apply myself to the fullest uh, extent early on, um, and I kind of leaned on being a, an athlete 
And then I, I, um, I ran into a situation where it just wasn't, things weren't really working out with the coach. I think I lacked the, the type of emotional and uh, maturity to deal with the, the coach and the, and the just, I guess the system at Princeton, um, mm-hmm. generally as an athlete, and it, it made things a little bit more difficult for me. Um, and so there was a lot of growing there and I, and I'm, I'm, um, I certainly didn't always enjoy it, but you know, in hindsight, I'm so grateful for it because what it allowed me to do was to fight, to kind of define myself, uh, in a different way and to, to really, um, remind myself of what it was that I'm capable of, you know, as an academic, as, as a student, um, and also as an athlete, but, but that, that there was so much more to me. Um, and this is something that the seeds that my my parents uh, planted on early on and for them to kind of really take a break surface um, in that moment was was very powerful because it's something that stuck with me. But uh, d- but balancing those two as an athlete, Division one athlete and uh, um, and uh, an academic was very, very difficult for me uh, specifically. Uh, and, and it was because I had a lot of growing to do. Um, from a maturity standpoint to, to, to balance that, you know, it's not, it wasn't a situation. There's nobody taking, uh, taking classes for me or writing papers. for me. <laughs> you, you, you are very much a student athlete in every sense of the word and in, 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 at Princeton, at least, you know, that's what I can speak of in my particular experience. Um, and so it was, you know, there's no, nobody's, uh, in no lollipop classes and n- none of that, you know? Um, and so to be tested in that way was, um, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. And what'd you um, major in? Uh, I did politics. Yeah, I did uh, oh, wow. political. Yeah, politics, political theory. So um, at the yeah at the time, like, what, 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 why, why, why did you choose that major? Uh, yeah, you know what? I had a uh, ambitions um, of pursuing a law degree, um, and I also just thought it was like something that just really appealed to me. Um, the, the idea of understanding the social political landscape and the the nuances and intricacies of the landscape that we exist in, you know, what makes things go and understanding power structures um, was just something that was very, very compelling to me. I felt like politics uh, lent itself to to helping me kind of unravel or unpack a lot of those things. Um, So it was a beautiful introduction. Heck yeah, Um, man. Yeah, yeah. And and with all that that being said, so we're at, you're at Princeton, Mm -hmm. you graduate. So -hmm. what's, what's next? Yeah, you know what's crazy is uh although I uh I went to Princeton and I started as a basketball player, um, or as a student athlete, I didn't end as a student athlete. And this is largely due to um just some frustrations and a lack of maturity, to be quite frank, mm-hmm. on my part. Um, but I did opt to, you know, just lock in and focus towards the end just on studies and making sure I graduated and you know, I was stubborn enough. Uh this my stubbornness to help me. Uh, you know, because it, it showed itself to be persistence and that I was going to get my degree from there, whether or not basketball worked out. And that's exactly what I did. Um, but the bug and the passion that was there as an athlete still remained. Um, the only issue is that when you're you have plans of competing um, post uh, college, it, it, it will behoove you to have had a, a, a track record of success, you know, as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of, you know, my failure, my failings, you know, in terms of maturity and just getting things in check. Um, I didn't have that at my disposal, but I was still close to the game. So after I graduated, you know, I compete and, um, you know, I was looking for jobs and I don't know that I was getting my best effort in terms of um, applying, but <laughs> looking for jobs and finding gigs here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would always be competing in like, uh, you know, semi-pros and pro-amps and things of that sort. 
And the more and more I would compete, and this is, you know, post-college, the more people would reach out occasionally, you know, an agent here or somebody who plays overseas saying, hey, wh- where are you playing at or why aren't you playing? I would tell them my story. They're like, you tripping. You know what I mean? Like, and I had to keep hearing that. Like, you should be playing. You should be hooping. Like, I kept hearing that, you know, and I would tell them, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have a, a profile or this or that. And they'd be like, man, all you need is some film. You know what I mean? And so, you know, over, you know, say a course of, you know, eight months, I started being a little bit more intentional about it, getting filmed together and, you know, shook hands here and meet an agent there and, you know, some guys who would want to pass my information along before I knew I was able to crack, you know, uh, crack the pavement a little bit. Um, and, I, and, and I was able to secure my first situation overseas. And it was a difficult situation, but I was just so privileged to be able to compete um, that I was open to it. And, and the more and more that I, I played and kind of continued to grow, the more opportunities that um, presented themselves, so much so that I was able to go for uh, just shy of eight years uh, as a pro. Wow. Eight years, man? Yeah, just shy. So seven and, I don't know, seven and two-thirds, because it was a season where I uh, I had an injury, so it kept me out for half the, half the year. So so how, yeah. man, how, how I mean, I guess the, they put it in a nutshell, because I know you could talk all, all – a while about that experience. What are the top three takeaways that you got from that experience? From the overseas basketball experience? Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, tra- that that traveling is so important because it allows you to see the the humanity, the common humanity in other people. Um, and and uh, that that would be number one. Number two is that um, uh, it's important to to listen more than you speak. Um, and so much, so many of my learnings came in car rides or just, um, just informal conversations because of like a willingness to, to just listen and lock into the different perspectives of people from so many different walks of life. And I was able to hear things, um, that they, they articulated and, and also to, to hear things that were not, not said, you know what I mean? Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, hear things that were not said um, just by virtue of just being open um, and just just observing. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I think it's, it's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, the third thing would be that uh, that it's just important to, to, to have faith. Um, there are a lot of, you know, it's it's it's, it's not it's not easy to always. Um, it's not easy uh to be in so many situations of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because I, I, you know I, I mean? overseas is a lot. It, it, overseas yeah. basketball, from what I've heard, I mean, showing up the game, game may be canceled or checks yep. late and maybe yep. get cut. And it's just, yep. it's, you're always got your head on the swivel. For sure. That's the fact. That's the fact. It's, it's, it's not pretty. It's not, <laughs> I know you, I know there's a, uh, at least within the States, you know, this, uh, this idea of like what it means to be a, a, a professional basketball player, but it's not the same uh, abroad, um, at least in my experience. And and so there was certainly some privileges and things that were, were amazing that I was able to experience, but it wasn't sweet, you know, um, in a lot of respects. There's a lot of cutthroat things and it is a business and people, you know, um, they very much conduct themselves in a business-like <laughs> manner. <laughs> and so there was a lot of instances of uncertainty or, just where I wasn't certain uh, how how necessarily how things would shake out, and so just having the importance of faith, you know, what I mean, leaning on and trusting in in God that that He'll bring you through. I think that was probably probably the biggest thing. So I guess we say the uh, 
that, just maintaining faith in all things and just trusting the workout. Because there's a lot of things that were just, you know, that happened throughout throughout those years. Uh, overwhelming majority, beautiful and and and, and great, and, and and stories that I like to to recall, and maybe a few that I, I I would not be so happy to recall. But in all, it was a beautiful thing, and it was faith that brought me through it. So I'm I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, and and as we transition into, because this is probably the segue into your entrepreneurship journey uh, sure. going forward. So what? All right, now professional career uh-huh. for the most part is 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 done. You come mm-hmm. back to the state. So mm-hmm. did you jump right in that the apps? Like, what was your first business, and how did you trans? How did you transition from your first thing that you started, or you worked on when you first came back, to what you uh-huh. do today? Yeah. So interestingly enough, we talk about faith and trusting that things will work out. My first, uh, so I had always kind of dabbled in the summers. You know, I get to return home uh, to the summers and kind of dabble and experiment and learn. And, you know, I'm always just trying to learn and grow um, and look toward business. My brother, my brother Joseph, is very entrepreneurial um, and business minded. So he's always, you know, coming up with really cool concepts. And he was actually into apps and um, just like the tech space and digital space uh uh, far before I was and, you know, starting businesses or working and consulting and, find, you know, all, you name it. He was very much, he very much is and uh, was involved in those things before. So I would always be observing, but, you know, I kind of just stuck to being a hooper. But my last few years overseas, specifically my last one, um, I got injured. And uh, I actually, uh, it was my third metacarpal in my, um, my right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so my shoot, I'm right-handed and uh, <laughs> I was out for, yeah, I was out for, it was supposed to be six to eight weeks, but six to eight weeks ended up being closer to 11 weeks. And in basketball world, that's, you know, that's forever. Um, I was fortunate enough just by virtue of just, you know, I guess generosity, God, um, I guess the impression that I made on the the club and the organization to be able to, um, to stick around, they kept it. You know, they made sure I was a, I was good and kept me around, and you know, I was able to support the team in other ways, but wasn't able to compete any longer. And it happened to be around the same time that a close friend of mine um, actually was starting his business, and what he uh, developed was Black Black Ops Sports, and they created a business called um, or a, a product, the first release in the suite of products um, for for athlete, athletic development training. And he very much was uh, he very much is or or was green at the time in terms of the business space. And um, but he's been able to uh, generate a lot of interest and um, support um, since then. Or we, I should say. But he was able to he just he he just trusted that, you know, I'd be able to support. And so a lot of the support um, happened kind of on the fly. Me learning uh, things, taking courses and paying for courses to learn about. Uh, optimization and uh, how to leverage platforms and paid ad campaigns and marketing solutions. And so I got really heavy in the thick of it with books and podcasts and courses and really heavy in the thick of things and just kind of learning and learning and learning. Um, And it was by virtue of doing that, the product is called Elite Defender. It's actually a pretty uh, impressive product and is being used by, you know, people from the youth ranks all the way to NBA uh, clubs and teams. It's really cool. Uh, seeing it actually in one of the Warriors practices, you can see some of the devices in the background. Um, uh, uh, shameless plug there. Yeah, but, that's uh, huge, bro. That's that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, really special um, basketball development product. And, you know, I was, you know, de facto marketing strategist type of guy, yeah. you know, um, complimenting um, uh, the CEO, uh, Derwin McCoy. And it, it just... 
you know, from there, the learnings just became immense, right? Because anything that came my way, like, I was eating it up. You know what I mean? I'd always been kind of eager, but to really start to lock in and think about, okay, cool, like, what's the best way with a limited ad spend to stretch this? You see what I'm saying? Okay, what does a partnership look like? What does uh, leveraging influencers or establishing partners or how do I go about establishing these relationships? And uh, if I don't have a lot of money, what kind of... um, unique uh, proposition or value proposition could I could I leverage or, or or tell or what kind of stories could I tell about the product or how could I position it or you see what I'm saying like just different things mm-hmm. like that uh, and the learning is just immense and so while doing that I started to really really become a little bit more seasoned um, and uh, the returns and stuff like that were incredible based off of the course and stuff that I took um, so much so that we we, we, we ended up on a uh, on the radar of some well-established uh, companies, you know what I mean, who were trying to essentially stop our stop our flow. Um, yeah. And so, so they tried to throw some some legal red tape our way, and um, we had to kind of slow down a little bit. But um, luckily, we were able to pick up uh, f- uh, fairly recently, uh, not long ago. We were able to, you know, make sure our, everything was squared away from a legal standpoint. Um, but yeah, just from then, uh, I kind of pivoted once things kind of slowed down and started to look for ways that I could start to, you know, maybe do things or explore ventures on my own. And it just so happened that my younger brother was also interested um, in doing something similar. Um, and so we started to look for places of alignment. And some of the things that we wanted to do or wanted to explore as a business model was whether or not we could bake our desire to create um, um, to create services and products and offerings that work to affirm, empower, and connect uh, Black folks, young Black folks, Black millennials like ourselves, um, that could also uh, bear bear fruit, like whether or not that was possible. So we started to just look for a bunch of different ways to do that. My brother, he um, he happened to uh, have done a lot of really cool things. This is my younger brother mm-hmm. uh, in the event space previously and um, was working. He had a, a really cool concept that we're still really trying to iron out um, on the web, like, uh, but, but we started to just explore different things and we knew we wanted to get involved in apps and we have some products and stuff that we were introducing as well, um, in the near future, um, as well as like cool stuff like merch. And we just wanted to see like, Hey, what can we create a brand? Like, can we create a brand that works to, um, to do these, these sorts of things that works to build and affirm and inspire and connect black folk, you know what I mean? Like, and can that be something that's profitable where we, we, we don't compromise our integrity for the bottom line, but we're, we're offering something of value that people are willing and excited to pay for. And so that, that kind of just started to um, start to be our, our, our modus operandi. You know what I mean? Like everything that we, our MO was just like, Hey, if it, if, if, if it works to, to build and celebrate, like let's explore it. Right. And, and so for a point of entry from the app space, Right before we start to get involved with more ambitious things, we said, "Hey, why don't we uh, explore? Um, uh, like, what's the what's an, what's the lowest entry entryway that we can really start to explore? Um, that maybe we can we can test out this uh, this model." And so, you know, I had to happen. You know, Moyo as well. It just so happened that you know I've been following for some time, just kind of learning from a distance. Where I, I decided to dive in um, and to, to check out some of the things that he'd been doing. And he had like a a course that he partnered with. I took the course. And uh, I saw, oh, people are doing like cool emoji stuff. And then um, I started to talk, you know, just to people around me. And I actually found out that there was like a within uh, amongst our community, particularly for women, among women, that uh, that Apple had had yet to release a, 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 an emoji with with natural hair. Wow. Right. Like, 
You know what I mean? Like, and we're talking about this is a trillion dollar company. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 I, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There's a significant portion of the population of the, the, the demographic people who buy their phones built baked into their default keyboard, um, who have you know Afro textured hair, hair that is curlier than, um, than uh, curlier than than the, the the lady with the bob or whatever that standard default, right? And we thought it spoke to something like something larger, right? Like it's something as simple as an emoji. But if you really think about it, like how could they not have that by now? You see what I'm saying? Like think about all the people that they're serving and how big of a, a organization it was. And so I said, cool, like this is a, a classic example and it's something as simple, but but it speaks to a bit larger problem of black women kind of being the last to be thought about, right? So this, there was talks like, okay, we're going to work to figure out a way to create something, you know, that can appease black women. I said, I talked to my um, my lady, I said, what? What what if what if I work to um, would you advise would you kind of help the guy if I work to to put black women at the centerfold instead of being on the margins of this conversation as opposed to being an afterthought what if black women were the exclusive focus right you know me thinking also that black men don't or men in general don't use emojis as much they are as yeah we use the basic boys like I don't know exactly. if I could be like oh brother let me use the Tyrese exactly. emoji yeah. let me exactly. let me use the exactly. like exactly <laughs> so from a business. From a business standpoint, that was also part of the consideration, right? Like, yes, we want to focus on sisters, but also brothers, like, in my experience, at least, and, you know, from the the, the, the research that we did, you know, didn't tend to use uh, these these type of emojis and sticker apps as much. So I said, I said, cool, what if we created something? And then I thought to myself, said, well, we create something, it can't be basic. We got to over-deliver, right? Like, that's, that's the big thing. It's always about over-delivering. And I said, okay, cool, we're going to make them 3D. You see what I'm saying? Like the designs are going to be 3D, so it's going to really pop and it's going to show that melanin. We're going to have a bunch of different complexions. And, and I had my lady and um, a couple other women, my, my eldest sister and uh, Faith Omunsa, uh, they were really um, intent about helping to curate like the specific offering. So like what the looks look like, you know, the expressions that happen to have. And, you know, we, we intend to add more and more, but just started to work to piece that together. You know, I didn't have a tech background per se. Uh, but Moyo Kome um, was very instrumental in, in learning and, and listening to a lot of things he's doing. And now he just had the book that he dropped. He talked about how it's possible to quite literally to to build apps um, and to develop them, have them developed and collaborate and work and hire people to put different pieces in place and to have an offering without having necessarily a back, back uh, background. And then so we started to think about, OK, cool. Uh, how can we build a business out of it? And so from there, we decided, OK, why don't we create uh, an e-commerce element? And so to complement the app, we also had e-commerce where we have certain no- novelty items. So if you go to the app or uh, the app's website or whatever, you'll see there's like unique novelty items that, you know, women women um, and people just in general can get behind. So it could be stuff like lapel pins and patches and uh, T-shirts that are really cool. And um, uh, something that's really cool is a, we call it like a puff cap, which allows for like a women um to essentially like have hair that protrudes through the the back of the the cap right like it can fit in the back of the cap so if they had want to wear a ponytail or a bob it can quite literally fit through the back and the interior is satin lined right and you know you we like to protect the texture so you imagine like you know like a do-rag fabric or a bonnet a satin bonnet that the interior of those caps are made, are made of that so just like these certain types of learnings like okay cool does this appeal to the demographic like what can we work to create um, and just start to kind of really piece that together. Um, and, and yeah, that's kind of how, how this, uh, this specific pro- naturalist emoji project um, got going on. And I just kind of keep my hands in things, my ears open to different possibilities. And um, it's definitely been costly. Um, 
I was able to save a little bit, but you know, I feel it more and um, some things have been more fruitful than other, but we can see, um, we can see where there's growth. Um, and this project certainly has shown a lot of, a lot of potential. So mm, that's kind yeah. of where we're at. So uh, from thought to conception to actually be on the app store, how long did it take? From thought to conception to being in the app store. More so from uh, like, like, are you have the idea, but uh-huh. from, from idea to app store, yeah. From idea to app store. From idea to app store was over a year. Wow. And uh, yeah. And I, I don't want to like discourage anyone. Like that's not a typical thing. I, I tend to be an overthinker for one. Um, two, I just was like, um, initially I was just unconvinced that the, the, that I was unconvinced that, that I had something necessarily. Um, and then um, I, I didn't act as swiftly, right? Like, so one of the things that, one of the biggest learnings that has been is like, is like, you have to be decisive, like, you know what I mean? As an entrepreneur, right? Like, because like waiting and think overthinking can kill you too, right? Like it's, it's important to be thorough, uh, to do your work on the front end in terms of research and understand the market. But then like, once you decide to go, like have two feet in and be decisive. And, uh, because it was such a kind of unfamiliar terrain and there's so many questions, um, that that lingered. Um, I, I kind of was. I kind of hesitated to to kind of put pieces together, um, and so that was that was part of it. A lot of it was like me being in my own way. Um, from the time that we actually like hit the ground running um, fully, it probably was like a good, let's say, eight months or so um, to get everything. You know, to build out an e-commerce shop, um, to 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 work and coordinate with manufacturers and designs in terms of product. And uh, also the iOS and also the UI interface and Android and making sure that, you know, things function properly. And, uh, you know, we have the beautiful designs that we want and they capture what we wanted um, and make sure that we consult with the with the ladies on the team, you know, because ultimately it was a service that was uh, created for them. And it, they had to be um, an integral part of making sure that the things were were, you know, up to, to, to their ideal or up to up to par for them. Um, yeah, that, that part was about eight months, but from ideation, you know, me just talking about it or really thinking through it and say, Hey, you know, this might be something I want to explore all the way to, you know, it being an app store. That was a year, but the work itself, you know, eight months, give or take. Got you, man. And, yeah. uh, one thing I got a couple questions, but one question always comes to mind. I see there's a, a proliferation of emoji apps that are, that are now, like I know a lot of celebrities a couple years ago were on that mm-hmm. wave. Mm-hmm. Outside of the shopping cart, like how is the revenue? Like not revenue, but how do you generate revenue? Is it is it typically off like say outside of selling merch? Is you have to have like millions of downloads to start generating revenue, or like what's the upside from 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 a high level perspective? You don't got to get into your details, but high level perspective, sure. the upside of um, in that emoji space in particular. Sure, sure, sure. I'll let you know what what our thinking is, and um, um. So that for for us specifically, one thing we do is a uh, at, at the baseline, the app is the app is free, right? And when we say free, uh, essentially to out- unlock or access the emojis, all it takes is a uh, is an email address, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So the free version demands that you go through the app to actually specifically go through the app to access the characters, right? And what you have there when you go through the app are certain placements where ads um, can be hosted, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so, so for us at the current moment, we don't host like third party ads or anything like that. It's just our store, you know, like you might see a, the banner and you'll see a bunch of character options. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that kind of lends itself to people maybe exploring, you know, we've done decent, we've done pretty well, but we need to be more intentional about um, securing, you know, more purchases uh, from consumers in our store. Um, so we have that to generate interest. Um, so emails, and then the store. But then also what we found is like a significant portion of people who download also end up wanting to have more access to the app. And the way you get more access to apps is by getting the premium version, right, which is the paid uh, version of the app. And so we've been able to secure a number of um, of downloads, um, of pre- we call them premium purchases, um, which has also been, um, <laughs> been, been very, very, very impressive for us uh, thus far. Thus far. Um, but but there essentially there are two ways you two ways to do it uh, generally speaking there's there are ads um, like ad uh, like ad placements and, and getting hits securing hits um, you can do something like uh, like what we do we do we have an e-commerce but just like sales like a uh, you know you know some type of product or offering that we that we offer and then also like a premium service which is like the paid ad and we kind of have a little bit of of of, of everything kind of in there. Um, we want to try to do a, a vertical integration play. We kind of kind of insulated our consumer, right? Like, hey, check. You know, if you're not gonna get the premium, at least check out. You know, the site. You know, so there's a button like, hey, in the shop, and it, it'll alert you like if there are certain deals or new products that are introduced. And you know, we get a, a, a sizable amount of people who check that out. Um, and then to be able to uh, to email, so we, we're gonna really start to roll out, be more intentional about our email marketing campaign to be able to secure a number, a number of uh, consumers. But ultimately what, what we were trying to do kind of simultaneously was one introduce this into like uh, the, the digital space as something that black women can be proud to use. It's kind of for them. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's by us, you know, uh, black men and black women who, uh, who all created it on our team uh, and for them, you see what I'm saying? To build type, some type of inertia around that idea. And uh, so far, it's been it's shown itself to be like something that people really take a, a liking to. And so now it's about um, retention. Um, what is it that's going to keep them in there? And what we anticipate is that offering more. So we have uh, ambitions to offer. Um, I, I always I don't know if it's called gifts or gifs. I don't know how you pronounce. Them. Yeah, gifts, gifts, gifts. Yeah, is it gifts? Okay, cool. Uh, to, to have gifts at some point, and also um, more more expression. You see, what I'm saying so it can be something that they really. Uh, take a liking to and kind of celebrate and that'll keep them kind of in involved in using them and sharing it and kind of help it uh, to continue to grow moment from a momentum standpoint, but then also to, to develop um, what we'll, we'll certainly explore as we start to grow in size, having um, third party ads, uh, particularly for unpaid users um, to generate money. But, uh, but, but for the time being, those are the three ways that we're, we're, we're building revenue. Got you, man. That makes, yeah. that makes a lot of sense, man. And uh yeah. Yeah, so I, I know there's there's probably people that's listening and that um that have just from your perspective, from your vantage point, what would you tell somebody out there right now that is thinking about making an app? And side note, your app is available on Android as well, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's available in the uh in the in the App Store and in the uh, Google Play. Yes, it is okay. for uh for phone devices and tablets, I believe. So. Gotcha. It's working correctly. <laughs> and everybody will be, all that information will be in the show notes. So make sure you go go ahead and download that app. Download the app and tell other sisters about it. Let's get some, some more momentum behind it because it has a, already a couple hundred reviews. So uh, it has probably a good a good amount of momentum already, but just continue to, to, to put the fire on that. 
But what what advice would you give for those out there that are thinking about um, an apps and, and and of course outside of just emoji app, but just different tech, going into the tech space with limited tech ba- background, like knowing what you know now, what would you t- what would you tell yourself? Um, knowing what I know now, I would say um, to do the work on the front end, to really focus and lock in, like be thorough, right? And I feel like I, I tended to be uh, very thorough in my in my work. So lock in early in terms of understanding the market. Uh, do uh, understanding competitors, understanding the unique value proposition, and kind of where you can fit the landscape. Um, charting out a little bit, uh, a little bit of strategy because you have to be fluid also in terms of how you plan to introduce this to market and um, how you think you'll you'll get it to stick. Um, understanding uh, just like the business structure, like okay, this is how we're going to generate uh, money, and this is how it'll be able to be sustained. Um, but then once you decide you're ready to go, like go. You know what I mean? Like, don't keep second guessing yourself and asking too many questions. Like, go. Like, put something of quality um, and be proud that you can be proud of out. But then the learning happens once people respond. You see what I'm saying? Like, the learn you can't learn or understand like what the issues are going to be before until a consumer is able to to chew on it and to see it. You see what I'm saying? So that doesn't mean you throw out garbage, right? Because if you throw out garbage, nobody's gonna. It's not, that's not learning. That's just a poor quality product. Right. Like you try to put a, a, a solid quality product for, uh, out and let people give you feedback. And in real time, you make adjustments. So you be fast, you be light, um, you be flexible um, and you be open. Like don't have your pride telling you something like, no, the consumer is king. Um, but my biggest thing would be, hey, be thorough on the front end. And once you make your decision, you have what you need. Move. Go. Go. Right. Like don't try to learn everything. There's nobody that can chart your course um, to the T. Right. Like this is most of it happens to be general learnings. Right. So you you learn by experimenting. A lot of it's trial and error. So so do your due diligence for sure. Once you feel feel like you charted something out, hit the ground running. Right. Like once you you know, the the, the few people that you whose opinion you value, maybe who've been in space or enjoyed a measure of success, you know, get 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 um, some feedback, if you will. But ultimately, you got you got to run. You know, I mean, you got to run and you got to trust. And then you'll learn on the fly whether or not you have something or not. That's that's my biggest thing. Um, in terms of in terms of um, uh, in terms of putting things together, if you don't have, for example, a, a tech background, um, which is the case for me, I would say um, there's so many different um, there's so many different things you can leverage. Uh, like like there's like Upwork and Fiverr and different things that you can do to be able to to get a designer to have. Um, you know, somebody to, to do take care of you, i.e., but also to be connected with developers, right? Um, I was fortunate enough, and this is also another shameless plug to to work with Moyo Komei's uh, at Magic team, um, and they do uh, amazing work. So, uh, depending on where you are and um, um, what your interest is, that that's a certainly a, a way to go. And you know, I intend on to doing uh, future projects with them. But um, there there are so many resources out there. Um, and perhaps I could share more of those things for you to, to, to drop in the notes for somebody who might want to explore that. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, so, so don't be, don't be, don't, don't be in your own way. Um, don't overthink it. Um, after you do your due diligence, make sure you run, you know what I mean? You run, just go, just go. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. And what now, cause I know you, man, you've been around a lot of places, man, as an athlete, um, as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, uh, as a father, what do you, what do you, what is at the end of the day? What do you what are you going to quantify as success? 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I guess I, I told you what um what kind of guys like uh, the business that we're doing over at Winfrey Culture in terms of like working on behalf of black people um, and working to affirm and celebrate and power and connect. Um, for me, that's a mission that's worthwhile. Um, I think when I think about success, I think about something that's of substance um, with like a higher purpose than the bottom line. Um, and certainly, you know, y'all want to live good and do well. Um, I've been blessed. Um, and certainly, you know, want to have, you know, ventures that are fruitful. Um, but that isn't that isn't it for me. I think when you can strike a balance between doing good and when I say doing good, I mean, doing good, do doing good work, things that is impactful, substantive, that aligns with your personal passions, um, that can affect other people in a positive way and doing good personally. <laughs> so doing good and doing good uh, personally um, in a way that doesn't compromise your integrity that doesn't uh, um, take away from you living out uh, a, a true, truthful and authentic, an authentic life. Um, I think that's success if you strike that delicate balance. Um, Hit on the head, man. That's that's that, that's that's. I, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited what you got in store with outside of this app, but just in general, man. I, mm-hmm. I, I feel the passion and coming from, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, a Princeton grad, former athlete, and a guy that just. Um, is moving forward, just trying to change his culture in, in a variety of different ways, and, and and also too, you working with your brother and working with family. That's really important mm-hmm. as well, man. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm just grateful to have you on the show. But before we conclude, man, I got a culture change round, rapid fire round. I got five rapid fire questions. Uh, okay. Hopefully, get rapid fire answers. Then I got one more segment. Uh, but before okay. I even get to the culture round, I always make sure I ask this this question to every single person that comes on this show, and. Okay. To watch your journey, and you could pick a moment, whether it be in basketball or entrepreneurship or just general so far, mm-hmm. what was your biggest learning moment? Um, and maybe it was a story or an event that happened that mm-hmm. really that really allowed you to become the person you are today. Hmm. Wow. That's uh, a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a good one. That's that's a great question, Greg. Man, I, wow, that's a good one. Um, um I, I'll start. Uh, you know, because context is king, um, or is key, I should say. I'll start by saying that the person I am, um, I'm certainly happy with, uh, but I'm more excited, I'm enthusiastic about the person I'm becoming. So this is a process that's that's ongoing, you know, in terms of growing and really coming into my own. But I, um, certainly, I, I made a lot of work, uh, made a lot of ground. Um, I'll say that one of the biggest things. Um, that was like very, very instrumental for me was that process um, at school where I, I decided that I wouldn't shy away from trying to be um, the best student um, and really try to, um, to, to, to to highlight, I guess, my intellectual capacity mm-hmm. um, as opposed to kind of diminishing that um, in fear of like maybe not being good enough or, um, you know, sabotaging myself. So it was, it was that that moment like in school where. It was like one of the first times I wasn't actually an athlete on campus. People didn't even know me as an athlete. Um, and that that part was very difficult, right? Because one, I, did, I wasn't doing something I've been so passionate with. Um, but two, I also didn't have a cop out from, a, from a, um, I guess, an existential like identity perspective, right? When you think about like athletes, sometimes like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm just the athlete in the circle. Mm-hmm. Right, like, it was like my first time where I was like, oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm part of like the general student body, but like, I'm actually not an athlete by def- definition. I'm not on a team, 
You see what I'm saying? So I'm a student here. You so so to really define myself by that. You see what I'm saying? And like let my mind be the thing that like you see what I'm saying that like brought me that brought people close to me or made people um um feel like a sense of connection or um that opened other people's eyes. Like that was like one of the really um like telling or defining moments like in my life, right? Like people in like really respecting me. I'm talking about there's some brilliant people um that I'm I'm blessed to be able to call my friends now in this moment, but to respect my mind, you know what I mean? And really really to to learn and to dive into to that part of of my that feature of identity. I think that was that was powerful because it stuck with me. Right. Like even as I went and played professional in all those years, you know, what I mean, I always had books. You know, what I mean, they make jokes like, who is this guy? You know, like, why is he reading books, why is he reading books on the, um, you know, on the plane? Or, you know, I used to have uh, teammates or, you know, like they have girls club. They make crack jokes. Like, why is this guy writing essays all the time? Like, what, like, who are you like? What are you doing? Like, you know, what I mean, like, you know, because 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 maybe I think they saw themselves through a, a specific lens. Um, but I always knew like there was so much more out there for me and and I knew not to define myself by by any one particular passion um, and, and and to allow, you know, basketball um, to be something that I did, you know, what I mean, but but not something that defined me or who who I was. Um, so that that was like that. That was a very, very impactful, um, particularly from like the entrepreneur, just like life professional space. Like that was that was very impactful that that period in college. It's crazy that you say that. And uh, earlier this morning, I had a podcast with a, another former athlete. Uh, he played baseball first three years, and then last year was became the starting quarterback on the football team. It's crazy. Wow. But his biggest thing was, and I think a lot of athletes or people in general, because from a young age, specifically when you're athletic or you're doing things, you get a lot of hype from a young age, especially like D1 guys. Like you're getting a lot of hype from middle school, high school. You to ticket out, you this. Everybody's on your mm-hmm. team. You usually mm-hmm. are one of the more popular kids at school because mm-hmm. you a dog on the court. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle, and you, you slowly but surely you identify with being being that person. Mm-hmm. And then college comes, and you know everybody doesn't make it to professional. So mm-hmm. then, and everybody doesn't make it to being a starter on a collegiate team. Everybody doesn't mm-hmm. make it to uh, being a being staying on the team for four years. It's a so fact. It's a fact. Then it's like, like you said, having to really become more comfortable with yourself. So I, I, I definitely um, tip my hat to yourself, and and I want to put out some encouragement to former athletes or my young. I know I got a lot of young cats on the, on the list of the podcast. Athletes out mm-hmm. there is to mm-hmm. really ensure that you are. Being around people that 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 are encouraging who you are more so than anything else, because and you could end up in a very very dangerous place if you don't. Because really, talk the best professional athletes only last fifteen sixteen years. Like yeah, that's that best. That's that best. <laughs> at best, like Vince Carter is about to do twenty years, and he only about to be like forty one. Mm-hmm, that's he, a fact. He that's got like fact. forty years left. So even so. It, it, it becomes you, you could put yourself in a weird place, and it's unfortunate society is like that. Like imagine all these college football players that mm-hmm. play in front of hundreds of thousands of people at the stadium, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. go undrafted and you never play a game. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. You're never gonna I, get can, the high say, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, can I just say one more thing? I I, I didn't realize that um, that's part of your audience. I should have known that, but um, just for athletes, um, you know, young athletes in particular who 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 might be tuning in, I, I just encourage you. It's not. There's nothing wrong with being passionate about an ath- the athletics uh, part and, and really working and to, to, to hone your craft. But you know 
but just recognizing that you are so much more. Um, that's one thing I, I applaud. You've been seeing the, um, you know, the things that LeBron has been doing, talking about being so much more than an athlete and talking about being an entrepreneur and uh, a spokesperson and a social justice or um, an advocate, an activist. Um, there, there's so much, so many more elements to who you are as a human being. So don't, don't, don't box yourself in. Don't allow anyone to box you in. If you have other interests, you know, make sure you're always cracking open a book. You're looking and exploring the possibilities. And oftentimes what people find, particularly people who are really invested, who have a lot of potential in the athletic space, right? Like because there's a passion or a particular passion, they invest a certain amount of time and energy and effort into really, really, really mastering or um, to really, really grasping like the, the art of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, basketball or football. And all it takes, oftentimes I say all, it's, it's a lot of work, but is well worth it, is transferring that same, as I told people, I say, I'm bringing the same monster to this space. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's the same monster. It's the same competitiveness. And, and you know, at the worst, it's stubbornness, but at its best, it's persistence. It's, a, it's, 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 not, it's not taking, uh, accepting no for an answer. It's, it's working and grinding and doing things that other people won't so that I can have things that other people cannot. You know what I'm saying? It's the same competitive energy and the zeal in, um, in a different domain. It's just all it is is transferring it. And when you recognize that you're so much better, that you're so much more than just being an athlete, somebody who can who can score touchdowns or or you know hit a ball, a baseball over you know a field or you know throw pitches or or a football player you know who, who's who's a beast on a gridiron, but you're a beast as a human being and, and you want to maximize your potential, you'll see that there's so many things that you can produce, so much so much greater impact than you could if you just you know were out there with a helmet, you know, or some gym some gym shorts. You know what I mean? I think that's important for young people to to, to really grasp. Um, our last our last round is the most exciting round. Culture change round. Ask five rapid fire questions. You give me five rapid fire answers. You ready to rock? Yes, sir. Uh, what's the best piece of advice that you have never received? Um, uh, that people people will show who show you who they are, or tell you about themselves without saying saying much. Hmm. Hmm. That's real. That's yeah. real. That's real. Doesn't take don't take doesn't take a lot of words. <laughs> if you could add one habit and take away one habit, what would they be? Uh my if I would add one habit, it would be to uh to really uh consistently like ha- like operate on a schedule, like a, a tight schedule, like really invest more time on that. Um if I take away one habit, it would be um not staying up working so late. Yeah, like get, making sure I get more rest. Like get to bed earlier. That's real. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite book and why? Ooh. Huh. Um. So there's a tie. I would say I'll go with uh, Paulo Freire. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, and it's called Pedag- Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And the reason I like that book is because. I told you, you know, I have a uh, you know politics major, but also background. I'm just like very concerned with like social, political, and uh, economic and cultural landscape, like of the you know, um, which we exist, and like how much power structures define things. But that that really peeled back a lot of the dynamics between um, oppressed people and a lot of things that they deal with, and it was just a very powerful book. And it's you know, I still reference it to this day, and just kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. So. Yeah, my favorite book, um, Pedagogy of the Oppressed. It's, it's a great read. What is your biggest fear? 
uh, my biggest fear is not maximizing my potential. Um, and I say this not just uh, as a professional or, you know, a businessman or entrepreneur, but just not being the best, like not 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 squeezing everything that I have, you know, as a father, as a um, as a mate, as a uh, brother, as a confidant, as a, um, you know, someone with potential to, to make impacts in, in the world from a social standpoint, uh, activists or wh- what have you. I just I just want to I want to squeeze out my potential. I don't want to waste it at the end of the day. I don't want to waste the gift. That's my biggest fear is wasting the gift. Mm, real, real, real. And the last question is round is if you were the president of the United States, what is the first thing you would do? Um, as the president of the United States. Wow. Um, I would commission us to evaluate. Um, I would commission us to evaluate hypocrisies that exist from a justice standpoint, like um, I commissions commission like a team to make evaluations at scale um, about like social justice issues. So this could be as it pertains to education, where we know that um, that a lot of the differences in like life chances um, are, are, are shaped. Uh, I would look at the justice system. Um, I would look at uh, certain access to certain um, rights like like healthcare um, and employment and access to employment and skills like that. I would really uh, have us, you know, do a fair appraisal so we can start the process of truth truth telling and reconciliation. I think you you got to tell the truth about this the, the, this how deeply entrenched like injustice is um, in our society. So that's what I that's what I would do. Start mm-hmm. to start to get the facts so we can lay them out and then work to address them. Thing. We, we, I th- we tend to tell a lot of lies. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, with the, as, as we wrap up this show, every single person that, that comes on this podcast that I've interviewed, it's a culture change agent. And this okay. show, this question right here just revolves around that. If you could change one thing about society, most specifically our African-American culture, uh, what mm-hmm. would it be and why? Um. If I could change one thing and uh, amongst our culture, it would be um, it would be for us to really support um, like the process of self actualization, like at scale uh, for 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 Black people, like and uh, young Black people in particular, right? Like I think oftentimes like. Uh, at least from what I've observed and read, um, we can lose our way because there's not a lot of enough investment in showing young people what is possible. You see what I'm saying? Like that there's a place for them and that they're important um, in this whole thing, like that, th- that them being the best that they can be matters like in the world. Uh, and also providing the infrastructure and support and resources to help them see it through. So I, it would be, having more intentionality about supporting and uplifting one another to be the best that we can be and self-actualize. That'll be the, the biggest thing. I think there's not enough focus there. Mm. Well, you, you words can't explain it, man. You got it. You got it. You got it, dog. So um, as we, as we close, where can people find out more information about you, what you're doing online, your businesses, et cetera, 
as well as, once again, where can people download your latest app supporting all our black, brown, and yellow sisters out there on the app stores? Okay, for sure. Uh, in real time, I'll say uh, the best way to reach out, uh, you could you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Alexander Okafor. And I obviously have a lot of update to do because a lot of the most recent projects that I've been involved with have not been updated. Um, and I'll be full, fully transparent there. Um, I'm also on Facebook. Um, you, the Win for the Culture, you, you can check us out at winforthiculture.com. Win, win as in victory for the culture.com. Um, and we'll definitely uh, be updating our site um, relatively soon. But it just you know gives you an overview of what things we're focused on. Um, our website uh, for the app um, and the e-commerce shop is Nap Trulisa and Nap with a P. That P is intentional because it uh, signifies the uh, curly textured uh, tresses of uh, of black women and men. Um, uh, Naturalista Moji dot com, um, and then the app you can find it um, in the App Store, the iTunes, and uh, and in uh, Android for uh, uh, was it Google Play? So Google Play, iTunes Store. Um, also, you know, stay tuned. We have a project um, coming out where we're going to um, offer some digital solutions support um, in terms of like uh, branding, marketing, um, development, UI, and um, you name it, uh, marketing, digital solutions support uh, called Ameri Digital, um, which we're working um, really fast to, to get up and running. Been actually offering a lot of services, um, but hadn't been doing it under an official title or name. Um, so actually going to really go ahead and stamp that very soon. So I'm putting that out there. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So just, you know, those are the, uh, a few of the things that are in the works, but yes, I, I the best advice would be to, to check me out on LinkedIn. Uh, if you want to get in touch and collaborate. Mm, say no more. So, yeah. Hey, minority trouble as a nation, man, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you brother for giving us well over an hour of your time, bro. <laughs> No, Greg, man, I, I, I am, I'm humbled, man, that you, uh, that that you, you, you counted me worthy to, uh, to be on your, um, on your podcast. I just appreciate the great work that you're doing, um, your patience with us, uh, you know, working the, working the, um, the kinks out to make sure we able to, to have a conversation and just, yeah, just thank you, thank you for having me. I hope, I hope I, uh, I offer some substance and some value for your listeners, and, and it was a worthwhile conversation for you. Hey, no, it definitely was, man. I can't wait to see what you got in store, brother. I'm glad we got you on here to to, to, to break you in, man. And um, yeah, Minority Trouble as a Nation, make sure you go show and celebrate the app. Show show some love, all right? Um, yeah. So And also, too, Minority Trouble as a Nation, you already know, I ain't forget two things. One, make sure you leave a review and share this podcast. Two, make sure you're changing the freaking culture. Good night. <laughs>